Uh, so I don't know. Um, I know Ryan. You listen to some of the episodes. Um, so what we're doing now on that Roundup podcast is we're basically uh, judging what season three is going to be and what it's going to look like. So in the meantime, we're just doing some, as called off-season interviews, just talking about, uh, talking with some people from uh, different backgrounds in the Roundup community, whether that be you know uh, Euro board such as Amelie the week before, such as Skylar Bowles, you guys. Um, just basically people that very much uh, spark my curiosity and I'd like to know more about what they're doing as well as I'm sure some people around the round that scene would also love to know. So yeah, I'm really happy you both could join us uh, on this off-season episode. Yeah, well, yeah. truth be told, Mydick is actually, he lets me know when your guys' episode drops and if you guys don't get <laughs> an episode in time, he's actually really upset. Like, He's like, hey, that is true. what am I going to listen to? <laughs> I look forward to it. I, I definitely do. It gets me, uh, gets me excited to hear, like, the, like you always talk about the one percent of the one percent, and it's really fun to hear the, the insights that people have at that level. And so, I, I definitely enjoy the podcast. You guys do an awesome job. I appreciate, I appreciate that a lot, and uh, I say that on behalf of uh, Mike Tops and Gavin have obviously all been uh, on the show uh, this year. Mike's obviously taking a little bit of break now and Tops just doesn't suit with the time zone for a lot of these off-season interviews. Um, but no, awesome, awesome you you hear them. I think that that's obviously a nice way also to transition in to uh, Dot Ball 360 because we, you just mentioned the 1% of the 1%. Now, Dot Ball 360, I'm sure a lot of people in the Roundnet scene have seen a lot about the sport, or at least I hope they have, because I think you guys done a very good job marketing it and also getting Roundnet players to play it. Um, and from what also I've experienced, it's one of the first sports bar Roundnet that uses the 360 elements of Roundnet um, and is something that many people can play and get straight away in the Roundnet scene, which is which is which is so crazy to think because we all came from sporting backgrounds and we're trying to take our sporting background into round it and now suddenly we all come from round it backgrounds and we're now trying to take it into <laughs> double <laughs> right so well it's crazy actually like playing other sports and being around so many other sports and like other athletes and they're athletic and they understand how the sport world works and how games work but you give them something that's 360 degrees, which is not the craziest concept in the world, but to the world, it is the craziest concept. Mm -hmm. in the world. Like people do not get it right away. They do not get those angles of the balls here, or the person's hitting from this angle and his hips are this way, and it's that way. It takes, it takes some time for almost the top athletes to understand, okay, we don't have science. There is not an out of bounds. Like it's a really, it's, really interesting to watch people's minds work during it and mm -hmm. it takes them you know 15 20 minutes to understand if not longer sometimes it takes days and weeks for these guys mm -hmm. to be like okay now i'm understanding that it's not my side versus your side it's all yeah. side. you know it's, yeah. it's a different concept and it's cool to watch people's brains kind of work and figure it out that way and give them little hints along the way but i kind of want i want to watch them learn it a little bit yeah you know Mm -hmm. But it is cool because it translates so much from round net over to dot ball because the defensive position, we teach a lot of people and the defensive positioning is so hard for people to understand that they can be anywhere when they need to be there. 
but the round net people obviously pick it up super fast and then they're just dealing with this weird paddle in their hand, you know? And so that's just kind of working through that part of it, <laughs> but it's super fun to see people tackle it from different angles. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I obviously seen and follow a lot of your stuff and I watch a lot of, you know, some athletic people and some just, you know, uh, let's say sport enthusiasts, but maybe not the most athletic people play. And it, it is, it, it's nice as you just, as you mentioned, Brian, just to see people try and figure it out along the way it's a nice process but um before we go further into that let's like break it down a little bit for those that don't or haven't really heard of dot 360 um give us your elevator pitch of what it is and also where it came from i'm sure you guys have done it a million times by now right <laughs> absolutely yeah. which we don't we don't hate doing it anymore i mean we like it so much so it's like yeah, yeah. You somebody new like here you go here's here's what it is I mean, it's basically round net or spike ball with paddles. Like everyone starts and that's what they see. Like, oh, it, it's it's spike ball with paddles. But yeah, it, it's spike ball paddles. We definitely got the idea from spike ball, playing so much spike ball, um, added in the paddles. And we can break it down, kind of why we added all that in. But that's what it is, 360 degrees. But you also get a bounce on the ground between each contact. So three hits just like spike ball to return it to the table switching possessions you can hit it in any direction um but you also get a bounce on the ground between each contact and we say between each contact everyone thinks like oh it's three hits and three bounces it's really not three hits and three bounces because if it comes off the table it can bounce player can hit it you can let it bounce again another hit let it bounce so we're adding in these bounces um for for a lot of different reasons i mean it started off, we added in at the top level to make it easier for defense to get the ball. You know, like big boom shots. Now it's not like, ah, oh, it went past me. Like you can run it down. And that's the the fun part of it is like the point's never over. And even when you do go run it down, you can set it back, let it bounce, and gives your teammate time to get back. You know, mm -hmm. so I mean... We, we adjusted and changed things numerous times, just like anyone would do when they're trying to come up with something. Um, and we're probably going to adjust and change things going forward. I mean, as things advance, we'll probably be changing things. But this is where we're at right now. And those bounces are allowing people to get back to the table and hit it on again to keep the point going. But it's also giving that defensive team time as well. So everyone's like, oh, it's too easy for the offense to get it back. But it's also giving defense time to read and react of what they're doing and what angle they're coming at the table and who's coming to hit. Is it going to be a right-handed player, a left-handed player? Like with the pad on your hand, obviously, you can only hit with your right hand. So there's not a bunch of manipulation when you get up to the table of the way like, oh, he might hit left, lefty pull, righty pull, you know, lefty slick, righty slick. You're hitting with that hand. So... When they approach the table, the defense now is kind of setting up their angles of where they're going to play defense. And then we also play three on three. Um, with all my background and kind of breaking down 360 degree sport of what round that is, covering covering all those angles with two people is really hard. And I've seen your breakdowns, and you have the split, and you know you're trying to take away the most powerful shot and then kind of funnel it down to the harder shot or most likely shot. But 
it's a lot of angle to cover. So adding that third player was huge. Um, Mike and I went back and forth on it. Like, should we add a third player? I mean, for us as business people, it's kind of hard because now you're just adding a third talent too. And that's more money and it's more space and more weight and all this stuff. But I was kind of very adamant about we have to add the third player. Like it has to be three on three, six players because the game will fall apart if it doesn't. Um, because you can you can hit it hard and you can hit it in all those different angles. So the defensive strategy with that third player really adds a lot with funnels, you know, guy funneling around. Now you got two guys deep, you know, one a little shorter, maybe a little stronger on the the righty shot. Um, and it's funny to watch the game advance a little bit because the righty push is actually being more powerful than anything else. Where in round net, it's the righty pole, right? Like a boom shot or a righty pole. That's kind of where your your power is. But the righty push in this in this sport is becoming a lot more powerful. Um, we kind of learned that when we went out to Southern California and played with Buddy and and Cliff and Kayla, and they were hitting like crazy righty pushes where the ball would skim off real fast, and we had to adjust defensively. Had to adjust like either bring your funnel guy in a little more or bring him actually on the right hand side and not where the pole is. So, and then push one of your third defenders out further for that righty push. So, I mean, I'm super excited to see what people do with it, especially with the round net background, because they already understand those concepts and the lingo, um, you know, a funnel it's in volleyball, but it's not the same funnel that it is in, in round it, um, people kind of get low to the table and they're able to funnel people in the right direction. So like Mike and I are competitive people. So we wanted to make it where it would be as competitive as possible and fun to play and watch at the highest levels. And that's why we wanted pushing kind of so hard to, you know, have round it people play because they've already got it. They already understand a lot of these concepts. It's just going to utilize different skills because instead of using your hand, you're using a paddle now and you're adding in bounces and, you know, different strategies that with the game rules is just little tweaks on, you know, things that we clearly learn from round it um, and the background that we had in round it. So mm -hmm. a lot, a lot of things I get is add on that. Yeah, um, something that you brought up in the previous episode about the uh, the bounce being something that helps new players get onto the game and then potentially goes away at a higher end. That's absolutely something Ryan and I have discussed and talked about. Um, and it's it's important for us that players of all uh, skill sets can be successful at the game so that they have fun and then they can build on those skill sets and get better. But we our goal is to get it in front of people that are playing at the highest level to see where the game may break down, where the sport breaks down, where people are having too much success. Um, and then we can adjust and change if we need to. But the first thing is kind of figuring out where that ceiling is because we, I mean, you know, we're pretty good, but I mean, I'm, I'm on the older side, I'm a little slow, so I don't know how high that ceiling really is. And so when we start getting to that point, um, we can we can kind of walk on the target, but it's important to kind of see where where we go where it is before we start you know just kind of moving things around. So mm -hmm. 
I, 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 yeah, I, I totally agree. I see the implement impl implementation you have right now, the bounce with uh, in between each touch um, of the offensive team, very similar to like pre no hit zone, like. You know, right? That's that's where the sport is, in the same way as when the sport of the golden years of you know so-called round net was like you know 2015, 2016 rally ball, and you'd watch a lot of rallies. It's like you know that that's sort of where the sport you could say the dot ball is right now. And when you go further up the ceiling and more athletes have the opportunity to play, well, how do you make it harder? Okay, the amount now might just be one bounce per possession, or it might be you know X Y Z. But the biggest thing is that. We talked about this a lot with when Tucker was on the episode around it. It's like it's much easier if you can do that and facilitate that development through a rule versus the equipment because the equipment can take months, years to adapt and change. So that the equipment just really does need to be uh, very sound and very stable when you first start in a sport like this. Um, and with the rules, the rules can always slightly adapt to suit. Um, I like how it's 3v3. You know, I like the bounce in between. I, if again, it's like uh, it, it, it's it's something that where rounded players would understand concepts a lot quicker playing dot ball, and they'd get more repetitions than getting repetitions in round net because round net is just that bit harder. Because what other sports are you contacting a ball, a small ball onto a net? Everyone's played, or most people play rackets or paddle sports. Um, it also extends your reach, you know, on defense and and hitting, so it does make it that much easier. Um, but something that interests me a lot. Um, is in regards to so so when you first started this and you'll have to you'll have to uh, you have to let me know the exact dates and year when your first launch was before before I get onto my following question. Um, yeah, it's funny. I mean, you say like when you first started. First started when I started playing around that. To be honest, like I went to my first tournament in two thousand nineteen. Like I was playing in the in the fire station just with guys we found a set we're like well, let's play with this you know mm -hmm. we were just kind of playing and then one guy me and him were real competitive we're like well let's see if we can go play somewhere play somebody else other than our firefighters so we went to a local tournament here in albuquerque um which we didn't even know existed so we went to this local tournament that was 2018 we went to that local tournament that slade warner put on with um albuquerque round net group and it was super fun. I was like, this is crazy. You know, like there is 20 people all out here playing on just a field that they went and set up the net and started playing. Um, the logistics of that, like kind of blew my mind in the way that you don't need a court, you don't need lines other than serving lines at that time. Um, and you have all these people playing at one time. You're not, you're not waiting for a court to open up. You know, I was an athletic director before a firefighter. I understand the logistics of running tournaments and like how much space and time that it takes to run these tournaments. And, you know, around that's an all day event, but everyone's playing the, the same time and having fun. Like if you're ready to play, you can go play. So, I mean, that was a crazy, like boom moment of like, this is what an awesome sport this is. Just mm -hmm. that logistics, not to mention like how dynamic it is and how fun people have in playing um so to 2019 I, I was like well there's traveling tournaments so i actually played with um slade warner so we were saint and slade we went to um santa barbara no santa monica santa monica to play on the beach in 2019 
and we actually played against <laughs> it's funny we played against wonky sauce they uh a couple players they came down from canada it was their first traveling tournament too i think like we met them the first day during like friday pickup type thing um and played these kids and they were young kids you know i'm an older guy they were young kids super nice traveled down from canada I'm like well this is crazy that we came out from albuquerque you guys came down from canada to play this game you know that i didn't know how big it was at this time i was just wanted to play and be competitive um that was my first introduction to the cut surf so in new mexico there's no cut serving going on i had never seen it before uh slade and i played well but we got you know buzzsawed by cut surfs just eating, <laughs> eating alive because that's what is happening it's coming straight at me and then it's jumping and mm -hmm. it took you know a couple games for a few points to figure it out by that time we were kind of done because it was hard yep. to battle back especially in sand you know it was, it was hard <laughs> um but it was it was a blast so i went back and was like well this i gotta dive into this you know because this is gonna be huge and then COVID hit mm. and you know it kind of slowed everything down but i kept watching and kept kind of dissecting it we got to go to utah and play in uh taylor stanford's thing that he, he had that national championship in Utah that year. Uh, we weren't premier, you know, we'd only played in one tournament. So we went out and played in the advanced division and and uh, Slade and I ended up winning that. Uh, we wanted to play in the premier, but I mean, we played in that and hard to fought the whole way, super fun. Uh, so that just drove me even more to what a fun atmosphere. And, and that's where I learned even more about like community, like the community in Spike Ball is kind of like nothing I've ever seen. Like, it almost has a firefighter community. Like we, we're a brotherhood in the fire department, but it's just in our little city. And you kind of know other people. Spikeball is so, so big, right? It's so small, but it's so big too. Like so people in all, every, right. Every country or not every country but every state you can hit somebody up and if you get on the discord or you get on spike ball and like hey i'm coming through you'll find a game and most likely find a couch like they'll yeah. get you in mm -hmm. so i mean that's it's an incredible community that and everyone's so nice like it's nice like, fun like yeah, down you back on that real quick uh ryan had a friend out in albuquerque i'd never met him his name is mark's got a wife abby i was traveling up in the pacific northwest and Ryan shoots a text out over to them and they invited me into their home for three or four days. They were super nice, hospitable. Like it, they never met me before, didn't know me from anybody, but it was just part of the extension of that community. And it was such a wonderful experience because you just don't see that a lot these days. But mm -hmm. it's, yeah, what it year was, was really that? cool. What year was that, Mike? Uh, that was actually this year. I was, uh, well, yeah, I was up there uh, when I was, t I was teaching dot ball in the Pacific Northwest in Seattle. And so we were on a limited budget because we're brand new. And uh, so Ryan's like, well, I, I know somebody that moved up there. So I think I think they'll let you stay with them. And sure enough, they did. And it was we we played some. We didn't get a chance to play dot ball, but we did play some pickleball and just, you know, dinners and everything else. It was just a super cool experience to be welcomed into somebody's house that I'd never met before. Um, yep. So that just all through, you know, through Ryan and through through Roundnet. Yeah. So, yeah. It's yeah, it's definitely. It's very true, and obviously we've mentioned it before on the podcast, but we very much hope it doesn't go away, even as the competitive scene continues to grow, and obviously there's more people that 
come into the sport for maybe differing reasons, but that community culture should very much stay the same. Um, but so, so then to build a little bit onto then Dotball, so you guys went away, you're obviously round enthusiasts to begin with, and you was going away and you was thinking the whole concept of round net in regards to 360, in regards to the team sport, in regards to, you know, accessibility, just being able to pick something up, put it down in the field and being able to play. Um, while also not taking up a huge amount of room, you thought, oh, that's going to be interesting. How can we develop this? How can we make something else out of this? So tell me the story well, when that first, yeah, how that, how that then, it, how Adopball then became what it is now. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't really even trying to make something else out of it. I, I kept watching tournaments and going and playing in tournaments. And, um, you know, the way all of our minds work is like, well, this is great, but what if we did this? What if we did that? Mm-hmm. And I was wanting to do more in the round net stuff. So I was testing things, you know, um, that group out in Texas came up with, um, I think it was Logan Cornelius and, um, raw stats. They were, they had all the testing things of like, Hey, if you test this, film it, film five games, mm, yes. send it to us, break it down. So my guys in Albuquerque here, um, Danny, Luke and Slade, they're just diehard dudes. We'd wake up at 5am in the morning and go down to the JCC and play testing things and it, it probably drives them crazy because i'm like well let's try this and like why well, smart practice Michael? i'm like i know but let's mm-hmm. try this because because <laughs> it it could be better like back in the glory days like it was awesome like you watch all those tournaments and there's all these rallies people diving around and having fun and then i kind of just saw like it it's got to a point where people got too good at certain skills or there's a lot of gray areas and people are arguing about certain things and i'm like well it's it's going to start to decline or something's going to have something needs to change right so i'm like well we need to like be a part of this and help this change like there, here's an opportunity they said film these games and send it to us and we'll, they'll break it down and give all the stats so we were doing that 5 a.m like every other morning we practically do you know higher the higher net it was huge in my opinion like make it higher mm-hmm. bring it off the ground a little bit you know um so we were screwing on little little legs and you know making it higher the bigger ball was a a big one for me just like you like i found this little soccer ball in walmart this little rubberized soccer ball that had basically the same texture but it was just bigger i thought that was huge i was like let's test this like let's show people this that's you know just like a lot of other people in the community mm-hmm. serve high rule huge like <laughs> the gray area of it and there's a lot of you know, even in sports, you have the line, right? In pickleball, and they're having issues with that right now. Like, was it in? Was it out? Does it go to the referee? Do we call it? And that's a line. That's like a, literally a line on the ground mm-hmm. that they're arguing about. Like, we're arguing about an invisible line that moves up and down with people's shoulders. So I'm like, well, yep. there needs to be, we have to find a better way to make these calls because once you get in competitive settings, people are not, they're not going to cheat but they're going to see it in their eyes. Like they're going to see it, how, what benefits them. Well, like, no, that was high. Or that was, you know, that was a carry. A carry was a big, big mm-hmm. thing too. Yeah. And it is a carry. Especially by the rules. I'm a competitive person. I want to win. Um, it's a carry. It is a carry. So like all these little changes. So then I got on to, so I applied to get on the international rules committee and the USA round net rules committee. And they had me on, which was awesome because I'm, you know, it was Frederick, uh, Dan Abrams, Ezra Ben, like these guys that are 
clearly like great minds of the game, great athletes of the game. And I'm just, they let me in somehow, <laughs> which was really cool of them. And I learned a lot from them, like breaking it down. Like their minds for the game are incredible. Like it was so cool just to listen to them and then be able to put in my, my sense here and there. But to change a game that already exists, especially with such die hard people that are in it, it's so hard. And I saw that like behind the curtains of how hard it is. Um, you know, not, not in any negative way. Like people want the best for the games, best as possible, right? Um, but you just get stuck in your way. People don't like change. People don't, it's hard. It's hard to change. And I get it too. It's hard for me to change. Like, oh, this is how it is. Why are we trying to change it again? Like, and too much change is, makes it even like it lose credibility, right? So you have to be smart about what you're changing, when you're changing it. Um, it's too much. It kind of drives people away. So mm -hmm. during all this, you know, breakdown of what spike ball is or what round net is, um, I was just testing all these things like higher net, bigger ball in the fire station. We just play stuff all the time. Like we'll just play stupid games. Like I sent you a video earlier, uh, mm -hmm. Uh, the landmine ping pong where we'd st take stuff and just throw it onto the table on the other team's side and be like, well, that's a landmine. You got to get it. <laughs> and we'd play mm -hmm. ping pong with all these weird little landmine stuff. So like, that's kind of what we just do is just play stuff. So with all these, you know, prototypes that I built for changing the rules of spike ball, we had pickleball paddles because we played pickleball too. And then we started playing, you know, like people do spickle, you know, like people played spike ball with, paddles all the time um the fun part of with my crew is like we're willing to change it any way we want like, let's make it better we'll argue about it nonstop. Mm -hmm. um so dot ball was literally born one day actually not even in the bay where we normally pull, pull out the trucks and play we moved the couches in the day room and set up the table and started playing and like develop rules like well we need a bounce because it's too hard to get it back to the table, bump mm -hmm. sets by keep it in the air for new people. Like, yeah, it's just it's just too hard. You know, we go into schools and see that same thing. I can't even imagine. Trying yeah, to no way. Without the, it would just fall flat on its face, right? Yep. So at the lower level, they need the balance. At the higher level, we wanted to balance offensive and defense um, and take away how OP offense is with a three hundred and sixty degrees. So the bounce, the paddles, um, less manipulation with the ball, like was a huge thing. Like you, and that's why our paddles are actually a little longer than a pickleball paddle because the shorter the paddle is, the faster you can manipulate the ball at the tape or at the net. Um, and if you can manipulate it that quick, it's hard for defense, right? Like you have something that's longer. Now you're kind of showing your shot a little bit of like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to flick, but you kind of show where it's going to go quicker than just your hand kind of flicking real quick. Mm -hmm. So the paddles were huge. The balls, we went back and forth on like, you know, just a tennis ball, a pickleball, a racquetball, a spike ball, all these different things. And we tested and tested and tested. And this is testing just for fun. I'm not even like making a game in my mind at this point or making a sport or a product, really. I'm not making a product at this point. Mm -hmm. I'm just like playing like, hey, We'll be back on shift next cycle. Let's make this better. So then it's even more fun next cycle when we come back in. So we did, um, the pickleball was coming off too fast. It was skimming too quick 
off the table, which was too hard for defense. Um, so we found a tennis ball, but a tennis ball was going too fast off the table, like, or too far. Like you can hit a tennis ball pretty hard down yep. on this table when it goes too far. So we found a tennis ball that bounced 75% less than a tennis ball. So everybody looks at it and they're like, oh, it's a tennis ball. But then they grab it and they're like, oh, it's squishy. Mm -hmm. So now it doesn't go so far. Like the furthest we can hit it is kind of like 40 feet, which is a long ways, but it's not 60 feet. It's not mm -hmm. 50 feet. Plus you get that bounce where you can actually run it down. Yep, yep. You know, so, and that's the most thing that, that I like about, you know, round net and dot ball is, those long rundowns, you run down the ball, that's dynamic. Now you're watching that ball go really far and an athlete running it down, bringing it back and getting it back onto the table successfully. And that, I mean, I just love to do that and I love to watch that. Mm -hmm. And the more we can get of that, more we can watch and do that, the more fun we have playing and watching. So that's where like adding that bounce, bringing it back, Plus, you have a longer, like you said, you have a longer implement now to hit the ball with, you know, so it's bigger, which you make solid contact with. It's coming back and you're getting the set back to the table on a nice big hit again or a skimmer or a drop or however you want to come back and do something dynamic at the table. Like, mm -hmm. That's kind of what we as a crew are like, God, this is fun, man. Like, and we just kept playing and playing and playing on the top of the table. To slow down the ball even more, we put grip tape on the top, so the ball actually reacts to that, and it slows it down even a little bit more. It grabs it a little bit to keep it a little more contained. So, I mean, all those little things that I learned from spike ball kind of came back to this. Serving wise, um, I didn't want any gray area of like high, like a high call or you know, instead of having the pockets like where it could have been a pocket flat surface. So I'm like, we have to make it a flat surface because a gray area can't arguing, especially in the fire department. Like you think it's <laughs> bad in, you think it's bad in the round net world, try to be it in the fire department. Like people argue about everything. We'll be in full blown arguments about it. So, I mean, we tested that, moved the service line back to 11 feet. Now you hit it. You can hit it as hard as you want. Side hand, underhand, overhand, no high rule. So you can hit it down on the table and that angle at 11 feet is not terrible. You can hit it over someone's head, but all that means is back up. Like you got to back up. Plus you get the drop. If they drop shot you, you get a bounce. So you can spread up and get the bounce. Mm -hmm. So it, it's a little cat and mouse, more of like left to right. It's more of a cat and mouse, like drop shot. Push and drop. Yeah. Like that's kind of where the cat and mouse is. I mean, we do have like, you can take a step to the right, take a step to the left to hit wide angles, but you can see with a paddle, you can't you can't put spin on it. Can't put that much. I mean, you can, but the grip tape on the table actually kind of stops it from spinning a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, so you're gonna throw out there uh, on that drop on that drop serve. We have a great video. A buddy got me with one, and I'll say Ryan can sprint up there and get those drop shots, but I I was a little slow. He got me. <laughs> I ended up losing my death. Oh, we missed it. <laughs> that, that's so. like the. That's like the evolution of serving where we, I spoke to Fred the other day when we was recording a, uh, unknown depth around the episode, because like the evolution of serving, how it changed from, um, push and drop to now cut left and right to now push, drop, left, cut, right, cut, lefty reverse, right, reverse. Now it's, it's much more to obviously defend, um, 
than just a push and drop, such as you mentioned now in, in sending servers in, in Dotball. So after you made all these changes, right? And that's the fun bit. It's it's seeing something, being able to change it and not having this uh this this predetermined cultural condition such as we have in Roundnet where it can be quite hard to make changes because as you experienced when you was on the rule committee, if I make this change, he's not going to be happy or she's not going to be happy or this portion isn't going to be happy. And if we change the service line from six to seven feet, uh, people won't like it. And if we implement this, no, it's so no, people aren't going to like it. Well, both turned out to be amazing changes for the sport and uh, hopefully we're going to have more to make the sport even more watchable. But you didn't have to worry about that. You were just obviously guys in, in, the, in the firehouse and going, you know, let's, uh, ah, ball's coming off too quickly. Let's add some grit to the table. Ah, I hate side pockets. Let's uh, make it a flat surface. Ah, ball bouncing too far. Let me just change that ball. Which, you know, is is the, is the uniqueness and also the joy of, of a new sport. When did you finally arrive to the conclusion of what is the dot ball you have now with the, the paddles, the ball and the table? What was like the date that you went, you know what? Yes, this is like, this is ready to sort of go and be sold to, to, to the public. So I went up and we did it. Me and Mike are friends in kindergarten. We have a group of friends that have been together, you know, from the very beginning. Um, so we do a guy's trip every year. And I came and showed him this. Like, well, And we always play something. That, I mean, that's part of our friendship is we play stuff. Um, so I was like, well, I'm going to take these paddles and this ball and this weird table that I made <laughs> and show them. And Mike was like, dude, this is, is super fun. Like, you, you're always bringing games up, but this is the most fun game we've had. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't trying to do anything with it other than just play, play for fun. And he's like, bro, this is something that we should do. And he's like, if you want to do it, I'll, I'll help you. I'm going to go home and build a real prototype. I'm like, go for it, dude, <laughs> go, <laughs> go build a real prototype. Like I'm, I'm all in it. And he was kind of like excited about it. So he built it, he shipped it to me and showed up at my doorstep weighing 60 pounds. Um, <laughs> and I i set it up and i was like okay like this is super cool like and i like the game if you want to do this like let's do it let's just become 50 50 partners um and we'll do it i've talked to my fire buddies see what they want to do about it and let's let's try and do it so literally like the next week we created the llc filed for patents um you know with the ball with the with the dimensions of the paddle and uh, we grinded so this was in 2000, what, 2002, 2001. Uh, I think it was early 2001. Early we 2001. Started. We're, we're almost two years in at this point. Oh, so yeah, I think it actually was early 2002, 22, sorry, 2022. Yeah. I think it was January, February. So then, right? Like, no, it's 21, <laughs> 2021. Yeah. Yeah. It flies when you're having fun. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been an adventure, that's for sure. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, I got to okay. get that date right because now it's going to drive me crazy if I don't know what date it is. I think it's twenty. <laughs> I feel like I think it's fe well, I think it's February, February twenty two. I thought, pretty sure, pretty sure. Yeah, At least that's when I got when you brought me in. And so then we the prototypes. So then we dove into it even deeper, right? Like, okay. You can't use pickleball paddles because really if this is gonna if this is gonna go and turn into a sport we're gonna need our own paddles like because mm -hmm. that's where sponsorships come in that's where players get money that's where company gets money like 
yeah. the table is just a vehicle for the sport, right? Mm-hmm. Where players are going to make money is having their own paddle, having a Scott Speak sponsorship paddle. He gets X amount of you know percentage for each sale um, because people want to buy something new. You see what pickleball paddles go for. I mean, they're 250 mm-hmm. bucks, 200 bucks. You know, indeed, for same, nice, with discs and disc golf. same with this, right? Like, yep. those guys are sponsored and they have their disc and kids want to buy those discs or players want to buy those discs. So it was really important. Like, okay, we need to figure out what the dimensions of the paddle is going to be so we can have our own paddle and it's got to make sense. I'm not just going to do it, you know, for a muddy reason. Like, so that's why we made it like a little longer, we made it a little wider at the top. Um, so now you have a little longer reach on defense and a little less manipulation at the table on offense. Um, in the middle of the paddle, it's got a nice pop. So when you set, it's popping. It's got holes, so it's a little more, lets air go through it a little better when you swing it. It's kind of like a paddle. paddle. Um, it's got a little triangle in it where your finger can go in because a lot of times, I don't know how the paddle is right now, but you kind of you hold your fingers inside that hole and not always on the hand. And that allows you to manipulate a little bit better for often to make some cool shots. So, I mean, we broke down the idea of like what the paddle should be um, for both those reasons, you know, for hopefully in the future, like if this thing really does go like we think and hope it will, um, that now players have a way to bring in their own revenue, you know, mm-hmm. with the paddles. Because you can do jerseys and all that stuff, but the paddle. Yeah, and that was important that was important to us early on was, I mean, obviously it's kind of pie in the sky to hope that this is going to be the next big sport and it's going to be televised on ESPN. But we started it with that mindset because we didn't want to get behind the eight ball on that, where all of a sudden we're trying to adapt to something as it got bigger than we expected it to. And we just wanted something that would, that would be super fun at the low levels and then carry all the way through to the very high levels. And then also have that potential that if it did happen to catch on and become a thing, you know, if we're using pickleball paddles instead of our own branded paddles, you know, we wanted something that differentiated us as a sport. And I, we kind of talked about it and thought, you know, people are going to take it more seriously if we're using our own stuff. If we're using a hodgepodge of Frankenstein materials that already exists, it kind of feels that way and people will kind of take it that way. So if we kind of go from the ground up and make our own sport, it's going to legitimize it a little bit easier. And if it does reach that top end, um, we're going to be in a good place for success. So that was kind of the, the mindset there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I, I agree. I think it is a, it's a very good move. It does make me then wonder and be serious about the finances behind the whole project, right? Because I'm sure also other people are, are interested to hear that what's what what uh, you obviously tested a lot and done a lot in the in the firehouse right but then when you was like okay we're going to pattern this we're going to file for an LLC what was the financial commitment of you both and you can enclose as much or as little detail as you want but you know how 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 much of an initial investment did you have to make and how much of that is still now ongoing as you're you're hoping to see that return after selling x amount of sets you know and then reimburse it into the company yeah, absolutely. So then, I mean, uh, that's like. Do you want me to take this one, Ryan? Uh, I'll take the beginning, and then you take right. after. Go for it. Like you, like you said, um, we did all the fun stuff, right? Created the game, created the jewels. Like maybe we should do this, maybe we should do that. And then once you get into the business side of things, it's like now we got to find a manufacturer. 
now we got to get drawings for this thing. Now we got to pay for this and pay for that and hope that we find a manufacturer that works, that we don't get anything out. Not to mention how much it's going to cost to do all this. Like, I always, like, we're not entrepreneurs. Like, I'm not somebody that is like, oh, I know the pitfalls of being an entrepreneur and making a product and doing all this. If I had it all over to do, if I was to do it all over again, um, I'd probably do it because I like the game. I wouldn't do it for, you know, a cup or a hat or something <laughs> or something that I didn't, wasn't super passionate about. Like, I have no idea how those people do it because it's super stressful. And like the money wise, we're just in debt, right? And Mike can go ahead, Mike, you can talk about <laughs> you've talked about that. <laughs> well, it's no, not fun. I mean, go ahead and talk about it. Yeah, I get the, I get the fun stuff. Um, so when we started out, it was important to us that we, that we keep everything realistic. And we didn't want to go out and fund and and find investors for a thing that we didn't have um, anything to back up. So we were really trying to prove concept, prove that the, the idea had merit and that people would buy it at the price point we thought it would sell at um, and, and kind of get into that space before we started borrowing money. Um, so we, we kept it pretty light for probably the first six months. I think we were probably each in for about 15,000 ish. Um, which, I mean, when you're starting a business, that's not, you know, that's, that's not a lot of money. Um, but we were, it was important to us that if we had to just say that was fun and walk away, it wasn't going to put strain on either of our households and we could just say that was a cool project. And now we have a couple cool prototypes that we can play with and, and that's all it ever was. And it was cool. Uh, but once we got to a point where manufacturing was starting to get dialed in and, uh, patents were shaping up and all the, the real money was starting to get involved, we were like, Hey, you know, if we're buying inventory, if we can get to a point where we're buying inventory with borrowed money, that gives us a lot of confidence. Cause then it's just a matter of selling through that inventory. If it takes one year, great. If it takes 10 years, great. You know, we can get whoever paid back. Like that money exists in inventory and we can, we can get it back to them. So that was important to us. And, and the, where we got money from was, was, you know, family and friends. And so it's like, we definitely want to make sure we took care of the people that took care of us. So at this point, our goal, which is going to be pretty tight is to get the first, we got one order, um, or one container ordered. It was a thousand sets and, uh, we're probably 600, 650 of those are already gone. So we're moving through them pretty quick. We just got them in September. Um, we had some pre-orders going throughout the year, but after the first set, uh, the first container is done, we're, we will have the second container on the way and then hopefully start to pay some of the, those debts back. And by the end of the second container, we're hoping to have a, our head above water and, and it's all just playing with house money, so to speak. So um, we did it very frugally compared to the way a lot of businesses start. And I think it took longer, unfortunately, but it also, I think was kind of a benefit because we got to try a lot of things and we really took our time with the product to make sure that what came out was something we believed in, something that is durable, that is, you know, I, I, I've used this analogy. We were balancing three things the entire time we were producing this product. We had the, uh, the durability, the portability and the cost. And as you move through those things, you can make something super durable. That's not portable. You can make something super portable, it's not durable. And then if you start, try to heighten both those things, the cost goes out the window. And so we were trying to maintain our price point and just kind of balance those things. And so we got the time to go 
work through each of those issues to make sure that the product that we brought to market was actually, it, it checked all the boxes. And not to say it's perfect. Uh, we're going to learn, you know, what, if there needs to be improvement. So far, we've been super pleased with it. It's, it's held up um, in every way that we hoped it would. So we're really excited about that. But we also are waiting to get it into a lot of players' hands that play it at a very different level and, and make sure that it's still doing everything it needs to do. So, That's yeah, I mean, with the dur durability, like we wanted to make like metal legs, basically. I wanted legs that weren't going to break because you're going to play, play hard. Kids are going to play and kids are going to sit on it. Like they're going to do all these things that are going to break it. And the last thing that we wanted was someone to buy a set play it and be like that was fun break it and then it sits in the garage because that's not growing anything all that is is us getting you know the money for the set. It. right and then no one's playing anymore and that's that's not really what we want to do we want to grow it as much as possible to play it and watch it like i like to play it i like to watch it i want other people to play it and have fun and i still want to do these other games and play it and i just want everything I want everything to work like in with the legs. So we made them all metal. So they fold into the table, come out of the table, go into the ground and they stay there. Like the table's heavy. It doesn't move. It, you know, it stays there. It's a good table. It's going to be durable. We did have issues with manufacturing. Like we made these legs super strong and then we screwed them into the table with screws about this big. And so it's like, God, okay, that was dumb. Why did we do that? So we'd had issues with that and like how they designed the legs. They, you know, they manufactured them great. But then they put a rust proof coating on it and made them too stiff. So now we are going through every single set that we have in our garage. We move them out of our 3PL into our garage. We're opening every single set up, going through every single leg, making sure that it comes in and out of the slot nice and easily. And the paddles, the the handle of the paddles, they taped the top, but they didn't take, tape the bottom. So they were coming unraveled at the bottom. So luckily, we're going through every single set, taking out every single paddle, taping the bottom of it so that's six paddles and four legs for every single set then sending it out like so those are kind of the pitfalls that you run into when you do something mm -hmm. like this um and when people are like oh you could just change the equipment you could just change the ball like you were saying being in this world now that's so hard like it's not the yeah. easiest thing to do and that's on a, I, and it's a miniature scale compared to a sport such as round net it's also a miniature sport compared to other sports exactly yeah. Like trying to get molds to, you know, for a new ball. Like I understand the mold world now. I understand the manufacturing world, the supply chain, all this stuff. It's so hard. Like I don't, I don't blame Brown Net or, or Spike Ball one bit. God, it's so hard. And they created something that's great. Like, yeah, I'll keep working to, to change it. And they want the game to change as much as possible and get into Olympics and do everything. And I still want to see Spike Ball in the Olympics. And I want to see that because. As they grow, we grow. Like, mm -hmm. and I get to watch that. And I get to play that. And my kids get to go play spike ball. Like I was known in the beginning of the spike ball world as the guy that was hitting balls off my kids' face. Like, <laughs> my kids have been around spike ball from the very beginning. Like I was hitting little reverse serves in my kids' face, and it kind of went viral. So my kids like know know this world. I want them, you know, to play spike ball, and. The weirdest thing we get is like we'll get comments like why didn't you just play spike ball i do play spike ball <laughs> and i want you to play spike ball try this too like mm -hmm. it's so bizarre when people get into like 
this is all I play and this is all I want to play and everything else is no good. It's like, there's a lot of good sports out there. You play soccer and spike ball, right? Is anyone like, why are you playing spike ball and not soccer? Like, we have more similarity, so I definitely understand those concepts. Um, and I, but it's like, God, you could learn so much by playing so many different sports. You could be better at your sport because you learn this from this sport, right? Mm -hmm. Like, the growth goes like this. Just because you play this thing doesn't mean they're worse at this thing. Like, you can, your way your mind works, you know, you synapse different ways playing different things. Yeah, indeed. And yes, that's why we get, you know, athletes from different sporting backgrounds come into round it and have ease to particular skills, you know, baseball serving and volleyball setting and, you know, it, because it can translate very quickly. And, and like you said, you, you definitely do need round net to grow because that would also then help you guys because you, you guys are a, another variation, just like you could argue, you know, beach volleyball is a variation of volleyball. Um, Dotball 360 is taking a lot from round net. So the more these sports that are very closely connected grow, whether that be one of them or the other, whichever one, it's going to pull the other one up with it because it, it's very closely related. You know, we've seen paddle also grow massively in Europe recently, and that's very closely related to pickleball. So both sports are very similar, um, but it, it, one will grow and so will the other at the same time and I think also something that we haven't really mentioned that really interests me is the fact that right now we're seeing in the US and we've talked about this a zillion times so it feels like on the podcast of the the culture between Europe and the US and the college versus uh, club system but why has pickleball really blown up over the last few years several reasons but one of the big reasons is it offers those of a older demographic of what most elite sports are to play a new and exciting sport that is very easy to play and get into and still offers them that high level of competition that they haven't got through other sports that is a huge tick in the box and that's also how i feel dot ball ticks a massive box in regards to round the athletes because especially in the u.s because there's not really this club system in the u.s as there is in in europe so therefore, once you're done playing round net, well, why wouldn't you try and play dot ball? Because it's the exact same concept, but it's that little bit easier physically because you have a paddle in your hands here. You know, all these things we talked about, the bounce, so they're tiny bit slower. And you can do it. And it gives you that same level of competition, the same way that pickleball probably gave ex-tennis players, ex-paddle players, you know, that level of competition that they were so dearly seeking is just a hobby or a competitive sport, whatever that be for that demographic, but it offered that demographic something new and exciting. Um, that's where it really hits me too for you guys. A hundred percent, like at the older level and then also at the at the younger level. Like Indeed, my, yep. kids, my kids, their hands are too small to play spike ball right now. Like. They can do it, but they're not going to be able to volley it. The ball is not, they have zero control. Their hands are too small. If you put a paddle in their hand, now they have the same striking surface that everyone else does, and they make solid contact. And they learn that 360 um, thought of a sport of, of round net, too. So they'll get good. They are good at dot ball, actually. They already play in our tournaments. And they're really good. My seven and nine are really good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> They, and they know the concept. They they know, I don't react to the ball when it's hit. I react to the ball before it's hit. You know, mm -hmm. like that that type of thing. 
So then they can take what they've learned in, in dot mole into round it too. Like, okay, I already yeah. know these things. Now I just have to pick up the skill. For them, it will be the other way around. So then it won't be round it players getting what they know from round it's playing to dot ball. For them, it will be, what do I learn from dot ball to then take into round it? It will be the, the dot ball for them is the bigger brother versus for a lot of round it athletes. It will be round it will be the bigger brother and dot ball will be the little brother. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, it works both ways. Like, indeed. Yep. Yep. And I would say, like, we've talked a lot about 3v3, and we do feel 3v3 plays the best, which is why we include six paddles in the set. But you can very, very easily play 2v2. So if you're, if you're practicing skill sets, defensive positioning, reading angles, all that stuff, you don't necessarily have to add that third person. So then it would translate a little more, um, you know, with, with round the net, even mm-hmm. doing the dot ball side of the things, uh, in that space. But I do think, um, when you get to a high level and, and we haven't really seen it yet, but when you get to a really high level, I think two V two is going to be too offensively heavy. I think it just doesn't give enough balance to the defense to extend those rallies and create that tension in the point and get that excitement up. Um, and so I think three v three ultimately will be where it plays, but we'll we'll find out. You know, when when mm-hmm. high level athletes start playing, we're going to find out which one and they end up preferring. So we're kind of excited yeah. about that. To be honest, in, indeed, indeed, it's not like uh, you know everything's been tested immediately. It's like no one was playing with the no hit zone in two thousand twelve for a round there because it wasn't needed. You know, there wasn't that mm-hmm. supply and demand. Just like in the business world, it's the same on the competitive scene. If there wasn't a if there wasn't a demand for hitting to get harder because the defense was getting a good amount of touches back in 2012 then the sport aren't going to then supply a no hit zone for the players because the numbers are where it's at and right now the numbers are in a good position for dot ball in regards to x amount of rallies x amounts of aces x amount of side outs right it's 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 also trying to fine-tune that balance but that balance always depends on the ability of the players and i think where you're at right now as a sport 3v3 is definitely the way to go because it's more inclusive definitely increases the amount of rallies also much easier to play so the barrier of entry is much lower but as you said mike you know in a couple years or few years 10 years wherever you know the sport may or shall be it, it could develop onto 2v2 it could develop onto yeah 3v3 and one bounce you know and not, and not three bounces like that's that's sports what's what, what what's fun about all those things is that one you have the sample case of round nets always refer and look back to and and two, you're going to get a huge amount of data over the over the coming years, and the barrier of entry is so low right now. So there's no reason why people can't pick up and play it. You know, I talked about the demographic of being like you know the older people looking for or an older demographic looking for a competitive new sport to play. Well, I think dot ball is a lot easier, as you mentioned, Ryan, for new people to come in and play. Like I I definitely I could see myself 100% going into a school with a dot ball set. And explaining the concept of an open defense strategy or a pull and push defense strategy playing 2v2 very much easier to those kids than with a round net set because round net there's so much more um body mechanics and so many more skills you need to be aware of to be able to hit this ball set bump spike whatever versus paddle in your hand with a bounce in between each possession if i have a 10 year old if i have 10 year old kids and i'm trying to explain defensive principles to I'll explain it properly with a dot ball set because it would be a lot more easier for them to understand it than a spike ball set or a premier spike set, whatever, right? Um, because of that. And gives them time. That, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because of that that, that, that barrier to entry is, is much smaller. Um, something I'd also love to pick your brains about, guys, is that um, 
So we talked a little bit like on the financial side and a little bit how it came from being, you know, a uh, experimental side to then, you know, building on it, building on it, building on it, uh, and then and then releasing it to the public. But um you guys do it all yourself. So so do you know you got the business side, you got the marketing side, you got the admin side, you've got the delivery side, you got the tournament series or if you're hosting tournaments and stuff all on your side what is take what takes up most of your time and what would you like to dedicate more time to as as a as a company run by you know two people unless i'm mistaken and you have more people or more help no no it's just the two of us <laughs> we're everything from ceo to janitor that's just we're wear all the hats <laughs> Uh, did you want to take this one, Ryan? Um, I mean, what what takes up most of the time, and what I wish we could put more time into, is that indeed, kind of... indeed, okay. yep. So, what takes most of the time right now is we've been going to PE conferences um, and trying to get it into schools and teach it. So it's not just a backyard game where someone buys it for their son for Christmas. They get it, they open it up. They have no idea how to play it. They make up their own rules and play it like. We took all this time to design the table a certain way, to make the rules a certain way, so it'd be, you know, kid friendly, player friendly. When they played it, they had fun with it. Because if you don't have fun with something, you're not going to play it again, you know. And yep. you have to be able to go have fun and be like, "Ooh, that was fun. Let's go again." And then that's when you get better and better, and where you show more people. Um, so us getting it into schools was really important, and you know, Skyler touched on this too. Um, Skyler is awesome to pick Skyler's brain because he knows this world. He's been in this world, um, not just that he's in the world with the experience, but he has a mind for the world too. So us getting into the schools and having having teachers teach the game the right way, so players could or kids could learn it and then know how to play it going home with their friends to teach their family and friends. Um, that's kind of been our huge fall you know, is going into these schools, which is taxing. It's, it's exhausting going in elevator pitching over and over and over again. We like to do it. It takes time and money though. Um, and with our margins, dealing with manufacturers and margins, especially with something that we built, like Mike said, it costs a lot to build because we want to build it right, but we don't want the price to be high because then you price people out of the market. So our margins are pretty tight, like tighter than they should be. Um, or, you know, a normal company that people that knew what the heck they were doing would be like, no, this is a horrible idea. <laughs> but we believe in the game and the, and the product so much that we're trying to figure out how to get it out into as many people's hands so they can get it and be like, this is a cool product. This is well built. This gameplay is fun. And then keep us afloat to keep going to these conferences and teaching more people, you know, because soon it'll hopefully grow a little grassroots. People will show, like, we don't have to show everybody. The same way Spike Bolt did. They have a set. They went and showed somebody. They played in the yep. park. Somebody walked by and saw. Like, so hopefully it'll kind of help that way. I mean, and then the more sets we sell, obviously, the more we can we can go. We can have larger manufacturer runs, you know, not just 1000 5000 That brings the cost down so we can keep the price where we want it. Because one ninety nine. It's not an impulse buy, you know, like 199 you're thinking about 199 for a college kid is a lot, you know, the colleges, 
when we have college kids play at these conferences, there's a lot of college kinesiology students there. They love it. They're like, I want to play. I want to play it again. How do I get a set? Blah, blah, blah. And they have to go in together to buy it. You know, okay. they have yep. to, you know, put in $40 each or $20 each and buy a set. Um, what you get for $199 is totally worth it. And everyone says that. PE teachers are like, God, this is price. This is low. This is a lot lower than it should be. They're like, this should be 249 300 because you get six quality paddles, four balls, the table with metal legs, everything is there. Like, it closes up together. Those people understand what the product is. Mm-hmm. Kids with not as much money are like, that's just too much. You know, they're used to buying a spike ball set that's 60 bucks or 100 bucks or 120 for a purpose set. Like, it's a big, it's a big difference. But that's something that we need to balance. Um, and try and figure out that's kind of the worst part <laughs> is yeah. balancing balancing all of that the most fun is just playing man like i'd i'd go to the conferences for free to be honest because we go and play and people love it just the joy in their eyes god that's so fun i want to play again they'll come back they'll go to a session and come right back and play again at our little table the tournament stuff like i want to see the tournaments i want to watch a tournament like I want to play in it, but I want to watch it more than anything. Um, like we have uh, Josh Bragg in California is going to run a little tournament after the the tournament that he's having out there next week. I think it's this weekend. Um, I don't know when this is going to come out, but the PRA tournament that they have out there, he's going to run mm-hmm. a tournament the day after, dot ball tournament, just to give people a chance to play, see, get feedback. You know, we're open for feedback. Like, like you said, we're so new. There's... Any feedback you get, I want to hear so we can make any type of adjustments or changes or anything that we need. Um, we can do it now. Like, play. Let me know what you think so we should get that feedback and get get it as well as we can play. Also, uh, Zach Vance out in the East Coast, we sent him some sets. He wants to do a tournament, so he's going to do a tournament soon. So um, taking the round net communities that know the game and kind of know, understand what it is, and getting feedback from them like i hate it i love it i like this change this whatever it is like we're down to hear that you know um so being competitive people more tournaments the better just because i think tournaments are crazy fun like that's why i like spike ball so much was the tournaments yeah. um i like basketball tournaments volleyball tournaments whatever type of tournament it is i'm down i like i'll drive by a park and see a tournament Ooh, what's that and i'll almost like stop just I like that atmosphere of what it does, bringing people together, having fun in a healthy, good way. Like have a beer afterwards. You you just earn that beer, you know. Like <laughs> you just play in that tournament. So I mean, I I definitely like that vibe. Um, so that's what we'd like to do more, but um, we need people to help with it. It's just Mike and I. <laughs> so it's awesome. Josh is doing it out there, and Zach is doing it on the East Coast, and um. You know, any help that we can give these people, any anything that they need, I, I'm down to help them to try and just have people play, bring people together and have fun. You know, that's that's the idea of sports, right? Competitive fun. And getting back to your question, is I think that's where Ryan and I would love to spend most of our time, is in a competitive space, setting up tournaments, playing, teaching the game. Uh, um, unfortunately, I mean, we do travel and we do the, the PE conferences, which is super rewarding. Like Ryan said, we had, we had the one kid in New York, he played for probably a half hour. His dad kind of had to drag him away. 
And then as soon as they had free time, he was back and he wanted to play until we had to shut down. And it was just so rewarding to see that. I think he was like 12 or 13. Uh, name is Connor. He's a super cool kid. He he picked it up really well and was doing a great job at it. But it really tells me that, you know, we do have something special here. Unfortunately, we end up spending all of our time doing, you know, back end stuff, logistics, emails, communication, like, which is, is good in its own way. But we'd definitely rather be around a table smacking a ball. <laughs> so people come up to our booths and they're, they're like, tell me about it. And I'm like, well, I could tell you about it or we could just play. Like, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and when they play, like, yes, I like it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, telling somebody about it or even just seeing a video about it. You're like, yeah, it's it's spike ball with paddles. You know that you hear that all the time, spike ball with paddles. But play, you know, and then give me your opinion on it, of what it is. Um, because it's, it's the same, but it's different, you know. Yeah, I, I, think, I think a lot of... Um... I think it's so interesting and intriguing sort of listening to you guys uh, and the journey. You guys are so far on, right? Because you're still in such the early stages for a sport and even for a company. But it's so intriguing listening because it's, 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 uh, it's humbling because all sports have gone through this, right? Including Spikeball back in 2010 or something, you know, when Spikeball were first launched. It's like the very beginning. It's all the all the hard work that's going on behind the scenes and it's all these things that you're putting in the work that you may not see the the effect of for six to a year to three or four years you know it's 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 a snowball effect that's building up but you just don't know when it's going to fall off that cliff and, and hopefully burst and start an avalanche and um it is it's just so interesting because it's it you do there's so much behind it um and the sport when i've played it myself has been so enjoyable uh, and I think, like you've said, most people who do play it do enjoy it. And I think it's really cool that you are you both are open to feedback because just like any sport, you know, there's always ways it can be improved. So, you know, even soccer, that's the most traditional sport, one of the oldest sports in the world, it, they find a hard time bringing in new rules and 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 laws because it, it, because of the culture that's already been created with inside the the world of soccer. But with a new sport like this, you can change things quite quite quickly. Um, but so that's of, one of the but, big pushes we have right now with the uh, is a big push to get the high-end players playing because if we're going to make those changes the sooner the better and so we need to kind of see where the the ceiling is to see if those changes need to be made i mean if for example maybe at the high level we need to change the ball completely you know now's the time to start working on that as opposed to getting a whole community of people and you get the battle of oh, i like the old ball or the new ball and it's like a whole thing Indeed. so if we can get that feedback sooner than later it's going to help us have a better a sport to bring bring to people so indeed yeah i get that's it's again such a good point it's like that that for me is not just the same within a sport that's just like life in general right if if you yeah. find out the workflow of what you're doing in the beginning gosh it makes it so much easier if you end up just like struggling through something and just getting it done without really understanding how why you're doing it then it's going to take you a long time every time. You know, if you're talking about editing, if you're talking about even playing a sport, right? If, you, if you're doing a volleyball hits for the first two years of your life and now you get told to hit like Preston Byers, you're going to struggle and it's going to take some time. So finding out the, the how and the why in the beginning is what also Preston preaches so well. If you do that in the very beginning, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to save you so much time in the long run, whatever you're doing. Um, right. no, I, I 100% agree. Yeah, I mean, there's guys that are in the NBA, right? 
they get to the NBA, they've been playing basketball all their life, the highest level, they get to the NBA, they have to change their shot completely. Like, if you learn it well from the beginning, even when you get to the highest level, they're, you made it to the highest level, but you still got to make adjustments to do it correctly now. Um, and that's where we have a, a huge advantage because we did watch spike ball. You know, we've all kind of seen the good, the bad, the, of what whatever happened, and we are able to learn on certain things, you know, like mm-hmm. this wouldn't even be a thing if, if ground at or spike ball wasn't a thing, you know, and us, us learning and taking all the great things that they've done and adding, sprinkling in our little things to make it better right out the gate, you know, not better mm-hmm. in spike ball, but better for us. Like, yeah, could have, like our game wouldn't work if we, we messed up something in the beginning, you know, and then we got to fix that, and, you know, teach people a new way or do this. Like, um, the bounces is one of the big things that especially round net people talk about. They're like, oh, it's it's slow. It's too slow. It slows the game down or something. Um, which it it does. Like that's the idea in our in our sport. Um, it's kind of like volleyball, right? Like spike ball, a point goes and it's like this the whole time. It's like bump, set, spike, bump, set, spike, and it's just continuing to climb the anticipation, which is good. It's fun to watch. It's fun to play if you do it, if, if it works, if you get a rally, right? Volleyball and dock ball are kind of more similar in the way like you have a hit that's kind of up here, then you have a bump, and then you have kind of a letdown of like where the set's going to happen. You have that bounce where the set's going to happen, and then you have a hit again and a return. And that, so it's more of like this, the rallies in the game, it's kind of like that it has a flow to it that it's not like this the whole time. So it allows everyone to reset. And we've, we've learned that as we go, that we, you need that bounce in between the set because you need people to reset. The point kind of resets after you get that amazing up. Like, oh, what a great up. Let it bounce and reset. Now where's the next hit coming? There it is. And there's the next good up. And now let's reset again with a little a bounce mm-hmm. and slow down. And it gives... It even gives viewers time to be like, okay, now what are they doing? Like, where's where's the movement happening? What angle are they coming at the table? What angle is the defense now rotating for where that set is coming from? You know, like from what we've seen is like that is kind of good. That that up and down, that flow of the game for players and viewers. Um, but if it's going to turn into like oh, it's too easy to one, two, three put away, then a change needs to right like mm. and in the same way if it's if it's if it's, uh, if it's too many rallies without a level of athleticism or excitement also too boring for the for the aesthetic guy or to be aesthetically pleasing for for the general public so it's finding yeah. that mix exactly yeah. exactly like maybe we talked about that with certs you know right now we're 11 feet away from the tape and that gives us that distance where you should never double fall in our game like if you do you kind of messed up like, you double faulted, you just gave him a free point. Like, mm-hmm. and that's kind of where we're at right now. Aces, there's probably one or two aces a game. Normally, they're not like no touch aces. Yeah. They're yeah. more like out of system stuff. Like, ooh, he got a bad touch out. So now his set is like 10 or 15 feet away from the table, if not 20. Mm-hmm. And can he bring it back? Um, that's normally, it's, it's more putting serve pressure on for a bad touch, making a longer set, leading to a worse hit and a defensive up to put it away. Yeah. Uh, but if 
if 11 feet is too far, maybe we need to move it up to seven feet and put more surf pressure on and, you know, have more of a dynamic, you know, cat versus mouse right in the beginning of the point. Right now we have people, you know, hitting serves pretty hard once they get it. Like there's an ex MLB uh, baseball player in our department. He's ripping serves and it is so fun to watch like guys trying to return it. It's dynamic just to see how fast the ball's coming off the table and how hard he's hitting it. And then he throws in a little drop shot and you gotta come up and get it. But that's why we need these higher level players playing so we can, like Mike said, make the adjustments now, you know? Um, yep. We're not a serve heavy game as, as it is right now. I don't even know if we want to be or if we don't want to be. Because I know like going and doing serve practice for spike ball is therapeutic. I used to love going and doing just cert practice, you know, it kind of gets my mind off stuff. I get better at something. Um, like that's a fun aspect of the game is doing those cert practices. And I don't know how much we're going to have those cert practices in our game. Ours is going to be more like play practice. Or well, it's even more disappointing if you have it primarily as a, a serving sport, if you now have five people who are not playing the game or four people, I should say. Yeah. In round yeah. you only have two people who aren't involved in that point. But in, in dot ball, you, you then have four people who absolutely aren't involved in the point. Um, well, and even, no, even, our, yeah. even our serving things, like Skyler mentioned this, and he was a big component. And I tested this way back in 21, you know, for testing new stuff is each server gets, I was doing back then, each server gets five serves, like ping pong. You know, it doesn't matter if you win the point or lose the point. You, uh, Skyler wants to do two, which I like too, but everybody gets two. In our sport, our serve is set up where the server serves all three receivers, whether they win the point or lose the point, rally score. I serve all three receivers, then it switches to the other team's first server, all three receivers. And it's that serve balance where everyone gets the exact same amount of serves. Mm -hmm. So you're good at serving, great. You're going to do well there. If you're not good, that's fine too. But it's not like one guy is just acing everyone out. And the game is just so changed because this guy's such a good server or this guy's such a poor receiver. You have to be good at all aspects of the game to win the game. Yeah, you got to practice everything, basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. Of course. That's the, again, similar to how round it was when it first came out. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't that serve heavy. All skills were very evenly uh, balanced. Uh, whereas, you know, now, of course, we see very much serving and, hitting setting take the forefront in regards to the balance shift of, of the sport around it um but a question i sort of want to end on uh talk with you guys is and it ties back nicely to what we very mike you mentioned the very beginning in regards to the one percent of the one percent um so so and also to remind the viewers right we are a sport that is a one percent sport you look at all across all the sports there are so many sports out there that you could choose to pick anyone Yet some people choose to either have round as their first, second, or third sport. But either way, a sport they play. So of all the sports, very small percent of people choose to play round net. Awesome. Now with inside that one percent actually choose to play round net in their spare time. One percent of that, one hundred percent that choose to play that sport. One percent of that percentage is now competitive. And therefore, here we are with a podcast talking about, you know, dot ball, but also talking about the competitive scene and the sport in general, right? Um, but it, it's, in, it's important to put that scope on things. Now, you guys are now entering the market, trying to 
person trying to get people, not just also within this 1% market of round athletes, but also other markets in regards to you're now fighting across all these other sports to get them to your 1%. Because if we say soccer's 20%, tennis is 10%, baseball's 15%, round it's 1%, and then dotball, you're now trying to get your one to 1% and maybe even higher, right? So within your demographic right now, what would you say is, what would you say is the percentage of people who have played or are currently playing round net and then though the demographic outside of that round netters that are just people with inside this 100% that chose dotball as their niche hobby sport or niche sport they play competitively whether that be primary secondary or you know the third sport they play what is the sort of breakdown in regards to your current demographic that own and buy sets that and also within that is also schools and PE teachers right I was going to say that's probably a big piece of it is the, is PE, but I mean, we've literally had sets in the marketplace for two months, three months now. Um, we got our first batch of inventory in September. Um, so we had pre-orders and we had prototypes out there. Like you mentioned Preston, Preston got one of our first prototypes and played on it way back in the day. And we took some great feedback from that. Um, but I would say a majority of our players at this point are probably PE students. Um, I would say that would probably be second to, or that would, would be followed by um, probably college students, I would think, because a lot of college students that are graduating kinesiology and becoming PE teachers, they're at these conferences and they'll pick up these sets and take them back to college and play them on campus and stuff like that. And that's probably where we get a lot of, I would say, our higher end players. Um, and then there's probably, I don't know, a few dozen people that I would consider to be like those high level athletes that could potentially take the see find where the ceiling of the game is. Um, so I, and then probably the best in the world right now are probably at Ryan's fire station because they play all the time and they, they're really good because they've practiced so much. But uh, I didn't know if you had anything to add to that, Ryan or not, but I think that's kind of the breakdown as I see it. No, I, I think that's about right. Right. I mean, the 1% of the round net community, it's probably like 0. 0.0001 that I've ever seen a dot ball. And probably like one person has, has bought one, um, you know? So that is definitely our, our market in the way, like we want people to play it, test it, tell us what, what to do, <laughs> like how, how can we make it better, you know, at the higher level? Um, if we can get, you know, go those guys sets and, you know, people that listen, want to get a set like that would be that would be awesome um we're not trying to like steal that community in any way of like okay you should play dot ball not round net. you know like that's not yeah not our goal we're not like this is the next thing you know this is what round net it's not even round net dot ball and round net are not the same thing like we're not even a product that is going to take over you know the ihf like it's not Mm-hmm. that's not what we are we're a different thing altogether but we do need the knowledge and the input of what it is of what they could tell us you know like that's really kind of what we're looking for play it give us feedback um if you like it get a set play some more you know that's kind of where we're at with the with the round net world and the round net community and definitely the one percent of the round net community and we're kind of in a really cool position like we mentioned earlier i, I follow the show i love it when it comes out because it's 
it gives us insight. Like we almost have a blueprint for things that have worked and also things that haven't worked. And so as we kind of look at where round been and where it's come, like a lot of, in the last episode you were talking about, like uh, uh, we get all these ideas from your podcast and we absolutely do. We get this feedback of where players get frustrated, what things they're excited about. Um, and for us, it really like, cause I mean, obviously we were in manufacturing for the last two years, getting this thing dialed in, but it really validates some of the things that, that we implemented in the sport of doppel because it was, you know, like serve rotations and like Ryan was talking about carries and pockets and things of that nature. And it's when we start hearing those frustrations that people have and trying to implement solutions, it's like, well, you know, some of those things got, we, we've worked through and, and the product that we put out there, um, I feel like it ha it has great merit, but to Ryan's point, our goal is not to, to make you choose, like pick this sport or that sport. This is just one more game you can play to have fun. When you're sitting there waiting for your pickleball court to open up and the tennis court next to you is empty, throw up a dot ball set and you can smack the dot ball around until your pickleball court opens up. Or if you, you know, you, you're at some spot and you just want to do some paddle skills instead, but you also want to work on defense positioning for, you know, for spike ball or round net, and you can just go and jump in and kind of do a twofer, you know. But our goal is to have one more tool in your arsenal to go out and have fun and and connect with friends build community and all of that and i mean that's really that's really what it's all about yeah put very nicely put very nicely um yeah i i don't i don't have too much more to follow up i think we've covered a lot of bases and uh answered a lot of questions that i personally was very curious about and i'll, I'll add by saying you know that all the times that i've played i've very much enjoyed it we've played both 3v3 and 2v2 um and uh, 3v3 with varying skill levels, 2v2 with, you know, high level round net players. And every time it's been enjoyable, no matter what we've done, it, it's there's so many, of course, principles and concepts to just transfer directly over uh, to dot ball. And that's also the fun in it, right? It's, it's the same way where we take baseball and we try to then implement that into round net. We take soccer or what we can or the footwork and then try to implement it into round net to fast track that progression. And I think that's, that's, that's not even, that's just a, a really enjoyable thing to do in, in life and sport in being able to translate those skills, the challenge in itself, um, and not just learning a new sport in general, it's trying to transfer those skills. And I think a lot of people will get a lot of joy in trying to do that if they are to um, play on a doctoral set sometime, hopefully in the next year. Um, so to conclude, I guess, is... Um, yeah, people should check it out. Dotball360.com is your website, I believe, right? Uh, yeah, right. Take... Yep. Everything is through our website there. I mean, it's just, if you reach out to anything .ball360, it's either Mike and I. Um, so it's .ball360.com, .ball360 at Gmail, and then our Instagram is .ball360. We also have, um, you know, TikTok and stuff like that. You're just trying to get it out there and show something viral. If it goes viral, that'd be awesome. <laughs> so um, check us out, tag us, whatever you need to do. Uh, we appreciate any support. And we just hope people play and have fun. You know, any any questions, let us know. Any comments, let us know. Yeah, Mike, anything you want to add add on that before I send a little outro? No, I just I really appreciate you taking the time, letting us on here, and um, I just I hope people give it a shot and and have a good time because that's that's why we put it out there is let's have some fun. <laughs> yeah, Indeed, thank yeah. you, Scott. Really, really appreciate you, man. That, of course, really nice to have you guys on. And uh, yeah, as, as you guys both put very nicely, 
feel free to test it out. Like I'm not here to plug you guys. You guys are obviously, you know, working for the working at Dotball, but working, you know, as as uh, as trying to grow the sport and the company of Dotball. But as you put so very, uh, or you highlighted it very well throughout the episode, it's like it's genuinely exciting, enjoyable to play. If it was a shoe or if it was a, you know, a, a headphones that you had to go and sell, yeah, I all the admin stuff probably wouldn't be worth it. It's knowing the reward and the end of seeing people learn a new skill, having fun in a competitive uh, setting. And I think a lot of people will potentially get that if they do try it out. But um, yeah, yeah, I'd love to get game breakdown. So, I mean, anytime that you can do a game breakdown of this sport as well, dude, I'm all in on doing something like that because I, I love that type of stuff. Film breakdown, game breakdown, strategy breakdown, like that type of stuff really excites me. So, no, I yeah, that excites me too. To that. Yeah. And then that's defense <laughs> doing three v three. Adding that third player would be really cool to see what your thoughts were in that space. <laughs> so. uh, yeah, no, for sure. I, I yeah, I agree. It's definitely fun. Um, yeah. Uh, on that note, again, I thank you guys for coming on. Thank everyone for listening. Check out Dotball three sixty on Instagram and uh, TikTok, um, as well as uh, check out the website if you want to. Yeah, check get your hands on one and maybe test it out. Uh, hope everyone has a good week and again thank you guys for joining see you all later thank you man.